This is Kevin Bossemeyer, the host of UCI Conversations. This week at UCI, there is an exceptional, extraordinary conference going on. It's the first international conference on environmental peace building. Last night, there was an award ceremony, and my guest today, Alex Rowland, received an award for his research in peacemaking with owls. It's an extraordinary story. He's a professor. I'll let him tell you where he's a professor in Switzerland. Welcome, Alex. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Please, can you tell us just a little bit about your background, first of all, where you grew up and what brings you? Okay, right now I'm a professor of biology at the University of Lausanne in Switzerland. And I'm Swiss. Started to be interested in birds since I'm seven years old. It's a long story for me. <laughs> and I always wanted to be an ornithologist. And, uh, and what's that? Well, it's bird lovers, if you want, yeah, bird okay, watchers, okay. working with birds. Oh. And I'm uh, specialized on one specific bird for already 30 years. It's the barn owl. People often ask me, why the barn owl? I, did you fell in love with barn owls? It's not really necessarily the case, but there are three reasons why the barn owls, from my point of view, is very interesting. First of all, it's cosmopolitan. We find it here in Irvine in California, everywhere on the planet, except Antarctica. The second reason is because this bird varies a lot in color. Like humans, you know, have uh, dark hair, some people have blonde hair. The banal varies from reddish to white. That's one of the key questions is why this variation? What's the use? Does it change something for the birds on a daily basis? And the third reason is because this bird has fascinating behavior mainly between siblings. They even, what I called, they negotiate priority access to food resources. Thus, when the parents arrive, they bring one mice per visit. And usually in animals, what they do, they fight. They, you know, they, they have somehow weapons, like the bills, claws. And the banal, instead of fighting, they just discuss all night long. They talk to each other, telling I'm more angry, no, no, I'm more angry than you, blah, 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 you know. It takes time, hours, like in political processes, it takes time to resolve conflicts. And they actually communicate. Yeah, they communicate. This, this, this was the first case of uh, demonstrating that siblings, young siblings communicate. Usually we believe that siblings, chicks, young animals, communicate with the parents, telling I'm more hungry than my brother or my sister. But in this case, they not only communicate with the parents, they also communicate among each other, between siblings. Thus, there are these three components, which are three characteristics, which are fascinating from my point of view. That's why I can work for 30 years with this bird without being bored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you made any distinctions about the colors? Like, why? why yeah, well, I, <clears throat> okay, m many things. The first, there are two traits which vary between individuals. The first one, they have black spots on the feathers, and it reflects the quality of the females, mainly. The spotier the female, the better, if you're, at least in Switzerland, at least there. The, they produce genetically superior chicks, siblings, um, uh, offspring. And just recently, one month ago, we published a paper in Nature Ecology Evolution regarding the color, the, the variation from red to white. And it's a fascinating uh, study because, in fact, it, there is an interaction with the moon, with the moonlight. Does the white, you know, nocturnal predators, usually they are dark, they are cryptic. They don't want to be seen by the predators. Mm -hmm. That's why the banal is white. It's very strange. The prey should notice the banal, the white banal coming, and they should flee, escape. And what we could demonstrate, in fact, that's the opposite. The panel wants to be seen. 
and the more light from the moon during full moon nights, the feathers reflect the light. It's like a flash light in the eyes of the rodents and the rodents panic and they freeze. And they stay longer immobile. It gives more chance for the barn owl to capture them. The, this is the only nocturnal predator which found this trick to use the moonlight to forage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, thing. Yeah. That's maybe why I realized because when I was in the, in California during the last two weeks, I was walking along the Pacific Crest Trail. I know in Switzerland it's raining a lot, and when I was on the Pacific Crest Trail, starting from San Diego Campo, it's so dry, and there was full moon when I was there in the desert, mm -hmm. and I realized that wow, the, there is little uh, humidity. And the light was so intense, much more intense than in Switzerland. And I think this might explain why in regions like in California, Mediterranean climate, the banners are whiter compared to other places. It's maybe because it's so dry, the light is more intense and we can better use the white plumage to freeze the, the, the prey. Interesting. The yeah. In terms of your travels on the Pacific Coast Trail, how far north did you get? Uh, I started, I made some mistakes, you know, this is a learning process. Were you by yourself or with friends? Yeah, by, by my friend, by, by, by myself. And this is a learning process. My bag was too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is uh, the, the trial okay. and I will come back. And, uh, okay. I'm, but I'm very motivated. Okay. Yeah, to continue. So you didn't get so far. <laughs> now 125 well, kilometers. It's, it's okay. Yeah, it's so okay. Basically, San Diego to Irvine, or well, a bit less, but uh, not okay. so far. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, I'll come back. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. In terms of studying barn owls for so long, what are some discoveries that you've made along the way? Whether you made the discoveries or you just learned about them, any specifics that you can? Okay, the the the, the studies. The, the most interesting thing about three things. I, I did a lot of things, but the three things is with the moon. I just explained mm -hmm. these black spots which reflect quality of the female. Usually, we believe that that's females who choose males. You know, the males are so showy in birds with fantastic plumes and uh, plumage, and the female selects the, the most beautiful males if you want. In the banal, it might be the reverse. The females express, display the quality with these black spots. And uh, the third thing is the, this behavior, this negotiation. They not only negotiate, they also feed each other, the chicks. The, the biggest give food to the youngest. They also preen each other. And I think, the, 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 if I would, that's the question, well, at the end of my life, it's not already the end, but at the end of <laughs> my life, what I will, you know, if, if I have to knock at the door of the heaven and say, Mr. Roland, what, you have one sentence to tell <laughs> what you did in your life. And maybe I will tell that uh, the barn owl is, it's a killing machine for, to kill rodents. They evolve the plumage to, to panic the, the, the rodents. They have uh, the claws, the bill, uh, they fly, fly silently. All characteristics, all strategies to, to be very successful to, to kill the rodents. But on the other hand, they evolved peaceful behaviors. They negotiate, they feed each other, they prune each other. And that's what uh, the message of a project of environmental peace building. You know, this is a killing machine that have all the weapons, but they don't use them. They are peaceful. And this, this is an inspiration for us to use the barn owl as a way to bring together people which everything separates. And this is a neutral 
uh, animal. There is no economic value. Of course, it helps farmers. This is the best friend because we eat the, the rodents. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, our project is in the Middle East with Palestinians, Jordanians and Israeli. It started about 30 years ago. Everything takes time. And it started 30 years ago when a farmer, an Israeli farmer, Shauli Aviel, he noticed that uh, they were spreading too much poison in the fields to kill the rodents because the rodents devastate the, the fields, the crops. And he said, okay, uh, we should stop this and uh, use the barn owl, which will kill the rodents. We don't need the poison. But it took a long time because the barn owls were dying because they were eating poisoned mm -hmm. rodents. Just for a minute, Alex, yep. just to inform our listeners that yep. barn owls are here in Orange County. They are here in Irvine and that every so often at night, you'll see a bird flying. You won't hear them. And it's always very special for me when it's, oh, yeah. that was an owl. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. It's a mystery, huh? Yeah. Are there other kinds of owls also out there? Do you sure. know in Orange County? Of course, of course. There is the, um, the, the American eagle owl, which I saw, by the way. Uh, on the trail? On the, not on the trail. This oh. was near the, you know, this lake, Moren, no, not Morena Lake, another one, which is Salty Sea. Oh, the Salton Sea. Okay. Salton Sea, yeah. Uh, is that I, quite a bit bigger? Than uh, it's huge, yeah. Oh. It's huge, yeah. yeah. yeah it's uh, really big. And uh, I heard another one. I think this was the bad owl at the Lake Morena. Thus, we here there are many owls, different species of owls. They are all very good to hunt the rodents, of course. But the, do they interact much with each no, other? No, not really. Not really. Of... They have separate. They, have, they live in different places, oh. more or less. Oh. The barn owl. The interesting thing is that they eat. They, they forage on open landscape. That's in the fields. That's why this is the best farmer's friend. Some of the owls are eating more along, you know, the, the wood, the woodland. That's where maybe less so useful for the farmers, but still okay. useful, of course. Okay. And we can attract the barn owls by fixing nest boxes. Mm. That's the interesting thing. And in the U.S., they use the barn owl as a biological pest control agent. For instance, in Florida, they use it. In Napa Valley as well, for the wine, where the wine is and maybe in other places, but we could uh, use the banal much more, I think. We should just fix nest boxes. Just we have to raise awareness among the farmers that this might be a solution. And so in these areas like Napa and Florida, are farmers setting up barn yeah. houses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they breed inside. And the key thing is that the banal has very large brood sizes. They produce many chicks. Mm. They are very hungry and each chick eats maybe three, four rodents per night. Wow. And sometimes we can have up to 10 chicks, wow. which is a lot. And is that annually or more than uh, that? They can breed uh, twice a year, sometimes. There's one family of barn owl, we estimate that they eat between 2,000, 6,000 rodents a year. Wow. So That's they really are highly effective? Very highly effective, yeah. Gotcha. And when the farmers fix nest boxes in the middle of the fields or against the wall of their farms, the banal will breed, but also some diurnal raptors, such as the kestrel, the American kestrel, which is also eating rodents. That's a perfect combination. The kestrel works during the day and the banal at night. It's a nightmare for the rodents. They're <laughs> always a predator somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you tuned in late, you are listening to KUCI's UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer. 
My guest today is Swiss University professor Alex Rowland, who recently came to UCI to participate in the first annual environmental peacebuilding conference at the Beckman Center. During the conference, Alex received a research award for his efforts at peacemaking by uniting Middle East foes in their efforts to pollute less and protect their friend, the barn owl, who protects their crops from rodents. Listen up for more. Okay, well, tell us more about the peacebuilding process yeah. with the owl. Okay, that's it started 30 years ago, as I said, when my friend, Professor Yossi Lesham from Tel Aviv University, he learned about this, uh, the action of this farmer. He said, wow, this is fantastic. And he's somebody who is very active, very powerful, you know, moving mountains to reach his goals. And he decided to, he convinced, I mean, the government and the farmers to, so that the Banal project becomes national all around Israel. Nowadays, there are about 4,000 nest boxes for the Banal. It's a huge number. And the farmers are happy. Well, each time I'm there and I'm with the farmer, I ask them, are you happy with the banana? I say, wow, it's fantastic. I spread, I use less poison. I buy less. Less money. Less, yeah, mm-hmm. money. They save money. And the crop is apparently even better. That's what they tell us. Just they really gain something. And it's important for education as well. But if you, let's say, to, to fight the rodents, it's a battle. You know, it's a war. You have to, it's really, it's something very difficult for the farmers. Constant. It's constant, yeah. exactly. You have to, to be always in the field promoting this project. But we realized, okay, we need our Palestinian and Jordanian friends doing the same. That's why in 2000, some 2000 2002, the project became reg- regional, not only Israel, but these three communities. And it's not easy because uh, for several reasons, it's another world. You cross the border, it's a totally different world. They have different values. They have, uh, it's not the same. You, you have, and, and they are afraid of banners, of owls in general. We want to kill them because this, for them, this is bad omen for the Arabs. We should never forget this was the case for Christians as well. All over the world, owls were considered as a bad omen. And uh, we needed education to convince. Now people love owls, but it was not so the case, let's say, 60 years ago. 60 years ago, yeah. In the UK, for instance, they were calling the barn door owl because people were nailing the barn owl against the doors of the farms. This was so frequent that they said this is the barn door owl. Now it's over, but still in the Arabic world, it's still the case. We need to convince them. And then we started to implement this project in Jordan and Palestine. And we very soon realized this is a way to bring people together. And in 2009, when I started to be involved in this project, just my friend, Yossi Lechem, I met him in Vienna during a bird conference. He said, yeah, come along, come to see. And I came for science first, because I'm a scientist. I'm not a peace builder, you know, I'm not a politician, not a diplomat. But after the first meeting, our experience with Israeli, Palestinians and Jordanians, I thought, wow, there was something magic a bit and something different from what we see on TV, simply. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, yeah, peace is possible because people love each other. There is no problem. uh, I decided to be more involved on the social component, more to bring these three communities together. And very soon, very quickly, I realized that being a Swiss, we are neutral. <clears throat> like the owls, we are neutral. <laughs> mm. 
And I'm Christian, by the way. I'm neither Jew nor Muslim. Thus, I'm neutral for this bird uh, religion in Swiss. And I realize that this is very important to have some neutral people. And really, we, we want peace. We, uh, I'm not for one or the other, mm -hmm. just one peace. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, I decided to be more involved on the international scene and starting with Switzerland because I'm Swiss. Mm -hmm. And there is Geneva, International Geneva. This, uh, we started to give conferences to go to the Geneva Peace Week, in Davos we went, we many, many events. And people well, love the, the story and now the Swiss government is giving us money to, to work in the field. We organized a meeting with my Palestinian, Jordanian and Israeli friends coming in Switzerland to show the banner for the, to the Swiss president and the entire diplomatic corps, 150 ambassadors, including the American one, was there. And this year we met the Pope with the Israeli professor Yossi Leshem, the Jordanian general Mansour Abu Rashid, and one Palestinian, I cannot give his name, and myself. Thus we had one Jew, two Muslims, and one Christian. And we tell, told him the story of the peace, environmental peace building project using owls in the Middle East. He was really fascinated, but also fascinated by the biology. And that's what I learned already before the Pope, but that's what I learned that as academics, you could do law, you could do whatever fields, we have something, you know, to tell about our own work and uh, some, if we tell it pa with passion, mm -hmm. what we do, the Pope was really fascinated by the owl and then you, you, you get inspired by these stories mm -hmm. and then it opens new doors and we can spread, you know, talk about peace and telling yeah, the banners, help people together, they talk, blah, blah, blah. And this is something I learned that biologists environmental peace building, the environment, we can really be uh, play a role in, mm -hmm. in peace, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. Can you explain a little bit more about the biology? Yeah, okay, this, this is something I learned with this project because we, <clears throat> we meet frequently, you know, we met Shimon Peres, we meet ambassadors, diplomats, presidents, Pope, etc. And what I, I realized is that what we do scientifically interest people if you have stories to tell and what I learned as well as a professor you know when you're a professor you're always telling stories about your work it's very complex only your peers understand what you do because you are really at the frontier of the knowledge mm -hmm. it's quite complex thus we should um, it's very it's very important we're at the frontier of knowledge of course but we should step back a little bit and tell more about the natural history of nature. You know, the facts which connect animals with humans. That that's what I will give, will give a talk tomorrow. That's <clears throat> my goal with my talk, is to connect human with the barnal. Say, look, the barnal is the same as human. Human is the same as the barnal. We are connected with nature. We should protect it. And uh, this is one of the message. And then I come with this peace building project. And using the biology, the birds, it's, you know, you, you, you get inspired, you are more relaxed and more open to start to talk about things which, uh, where you have a conflict mm -hmm. in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's what we call scientific diplomacy. You have three different types of scientific diplomacy. 
The first is when diplomats, politics, want to talk about a phenomena, phenomenon that they don't understand, climate change. They need specialists. Does they bring, they ask biologists, climatologists, explain me how it goes, and then we will take the right political decisions. The second one is when scientists want to collaborate. If I would like, let's say, American with North Korean, you have a, a colleague in North Korea, this is the best in your field. You want to collaborate with him. Maybe it's difficult. Thus, you need the diplomats to open doors. Say, okay, now you can work with this guy. We, we did everything possible. And the third, which is more interesting, is when the situation is blocked, the diplomats cannot talk between countries, and the scientists want to work together. They don't mind about political problems. Thus, they work. We don't ask the permission. They just work. And then the diplomats can use this to talk together. That's, that's the scientists who open the doors, not the other around. Mm -hmm. And our project is uh, it's scientific diplomacy. And the reason why, it's because we are Palestinian, but mainly the three key people is the Professor Yossi Lechem from Israel is highly connected at the governmental level. That's open doors, we get money, and they, they know what we do. It's very important. In Jordan, there is the General Mansour Abu Rashid, who was mandated by the late King Hossein to prepare the peace treaty in 94. This is a very important figure in peace between Israel and Jordan. And myself in Switzerland. And I learned from my friends from the Middle East to just to knock at the right doors, the Pope, the President, and just to play at a high level with diplomats and politicians. Wonderful. This is UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer. My guest is Professor Alex Rowland, a barn owl specialist from Switzerland, talking about building peace, how to work together, and the power of owl storytelling. Professor Rowland recently accepted a research award from UCI's first annual environmental peacebuilding conference. Now back to the interview. In terms of human interaction with owls, are all owls, barn owls, shy do they you know they really don't want to you know that's why they only come out at night i mean is there okay the owls whether they are shy or do they behave in front of human of course they they they, they don't want to see human but the banner is a bit um, a paradox because the banner lives close to humans all around the world okay in california they can breed inside tree holes but still many pairs still breed in houses thus they are close to humans they are afraid from humans but still, maybe it gives some protection because some predators are very afraid to go to come close to houses. That's maybe one reason. But then, whether they are shy, this is maybe something I can talk about, is the personality. Each bird is like human. Each bird has a personality. The, some are very aggressive, some are more relaxed. You know, even some females, when you go to the nest, you want to count the eggs, you have to take the barnacle, the female, in your hands to raise above, above, to put on the side, you count the eggs, you put it back on the eggs. You are really not, uh, not shy. Now, are these owls that you're raising? Cause you can't go in the wild and just lift an owl. I, I'm not raising owls. I, I'm working only with free-living owls. I have none in, in uh, cages. So. so will a free-living owl, you know, trust you to handle? And yeah, that's, that's, there, are, there are these birds who are just not afraid. And some, and it's very rare that some birds are really totally afraid. Because if this is the case, 
they abandon the nest very quickly because there's too many humans around mm. the, the place. Thus, they are selected to be not so shy, not so afraid from human. Thus, you know, the, of course, we have to be very careful because they can abandon the, the eggs or the nest. Thus, you have to learn what you can do, what you cannot do. And we take all precautions to avoid bad mistakes, you know. What in particular can't you do? Okay, you okay this, what is not good, at least in Switzerland, is when you, if you capture, because we can capture the, the adults, we ring them. Because each bird has a specific ring, unique ring with a unique number. We can recapture them. We know how long they live. We know where they go. We know with which mate they reproduce. We can follow their history. No, during mm. their whole life. Wow. We know how many eggs they led in one lifetime. One bird in Switzerland led 100 eggs, for instance, in one lifetime wow. during his life. Thus, we um, can follow the birds. And okay, what, what, what is not good is if you capture the owls before they lay eggs in the nest, they abandon the nest. Mm. They go because it's too dangerous for them. They say, wow, there are people coming here. Uh, it's not good for my, my uh, chicks in the yeah. future. Thus, yeah. they just abandon the site. And that's why we control the nest boxes at night in Switzerland. It's a huge work. But for since 90, we control all boxes at night oh, really? to avoid to disturb too much the, the owls. Yeah. How many barn owls are there in Switzerland? Do you have an estimate? Of, uh, about 3,000 pairs, maybe. Mm -hmm. In our study area, we have up to 150 pairs, which is quite a lot. And do they mate? Um, <coughs> You know, are they monogamous or is it just... Yeah, birds, yeah, birds are monogamous. We say socially monogamous. Mammals are polygamous. Usually. There are exceptions. There are always exceptions. Thus, the mother in birds, they cannot raise the chicks without the father. They need to be both to raise. The chicks need a lot of attention. And the raptors, the barn owl, of course... They are special in the sense that that's the male who feeds the chicks mainly. The female lay eggs, incubate the eggs, take care of the young chicks. Once the chicks are big enough to eat by themselves, the mother helps a bit the father, but still the father brings two-thirds of the prey to the nest, the mother on average one-third. Thus the male is very important to raise the chicks, very important. Thus, that's not what we could think. The male just copulates and lives. No, the, in birds, yeah, I mean, at least in raptors. And that's why they, um, they, what we say, there are very few extra pair young. It means all the chicks in the nest have been sired by the male, which feeds the chicks. It's rare that there are chicks from another father inside the, the brood. In some birds, up to 50% of the chicks have been sired by another male than the one which hmm. feeds the chicks. And this is logic... In, in, the, same, in the same litter of eggs, there'll yeah. be different fathers. Wow, yeah. really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, in, but yeah, up to 50% of the chicks are from different fathers. Gotcha. Uh, the, the father which feeds, 50%, and the other 50 from other males who copulate with the female. Does hmm. the male is cuckold, if you want. Uh -huh. But of course, the male goes with other females. Thus, it can be a big mess in some, in some bird species, but not in raptors because... And is it barn owl or raptor? A raptor, yeah, exactly. A raptor and owls because the father, that's the father who feeds the chicks. He invests so much energy to feed the chicks. He wants to be sure that all chicks are his own chick, not the chick 
of the postman, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. other guy. Yeah. That's and R can be can be sure that it's its own chicks. Simply they copulate a lot, uh, up to the maximum. I think seven seventy times a day, maximum seventy. Wow. Uh, yeah. Thus we can, but usually it's one one time per hour. Thus the male copulates so often that even if another male is copulating with his female, there is not enough sperm to fertilize uh, the eggs. That's, gotcha. that's that's the idea. Wow. Yeah. That's. Thus they found a way to. Nature finds its own way. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Wow. Who is the enemy of the owl? Uh, some mammals like uh, mustelids that's I don't know we see uh, here in the in the US which is uh, maybe some snakes oh. uh, ma- marder marder you, you have this animal here maybe not you know like like big big um, I don't know the name in there, but, but there are some mammals which yeah. can eat the eggs mainly oh okay and maybe the worst is the eagle owl oh. big big owl which eats other birds, including the barn owl. Yeah. But overall, few predators, I would say. The most dangerous predator is human, by human. the way. And not only human, but the cars. It's a disaster because the barn owls, ants, forage, fly very low above the ground, and they eat the cars. Alex was just talking about how dangerous automobiles are to owls. This is UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer. You are listening to my recent interview with Swiss biology professor from the University of Lausanne, Alex Rowland. Professor Rowland is a barn owl expert and recently visited UCI to attend the Environmental Peacebuilding Conference. Now the interview transitions into where Alex lives. Alex, you're originally from Switzerland. I'm from Switzerland. Yes. Whereabouts in Switzerland? Sorry, where, where? Where, where? 50 kilometers from Geneva. Oh, okay. This is the lake of Lac Léman. We say the lake of Geneva. Uh, is this Lausanne. A, is it a big, this is a massive lake? Yeah, or? it's a massive lake. Yeah. yeah, it's a big lake. Yeah, for Europe, it's a big lake. Oh. Yeah. It's not the lake uh, near Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> not so big, but, yeah. but it's big. <laughs> but it's big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And is that where you grew up? Did you? I grew up uh, 50, 50 kilometers from the university. The same MP, you know, my barn owls are near my hometown. Okay. They have everything in my hands, close to the university. And from time to time, I'm traveling, like here in Irvine. Gotcha. Yeah. When did you know that you were interested in birds? Yeah. Then you studied biology and just... Yeah, in fact, uh, I always wanted to be an ornithologist, which I am. But uh, I did not go to the university directly. I did, uh, I don't know if it's the same system here, but apprenticeship. I learned, you know, I was drawing plans to, to construct houses. I did this, yeah. And then I... St- so and you were an architect? If you want, yeah. I'm an architect, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was not so happy with this work. And I was working with the banners during my free time. And I did not know really know what I was doing, but I was taking data you know measuring things and uh, got frustrated not to be able to analyze what i was collecting mm-hmm. that's why i decided to go back to the university to start with the uh, middle school at night and then the university my studies i think were interesting enough for people to hire me as a professor i would say <laughs> gotcha yeah 
How often do you travel internationally? <coughs> This year a little bit less because I've got a bit fed up to travel too much. <laughs> Last year it was a lot. But it's true that this, for two reasons. I travel for my own research to present my results. And the second one is to present this project about the environmental peace building, which attracts some attention from people because it's inspiring. It's a different story. I think that people are a bit fed up with this Middle East story. No hope, nothing, mm -hmm. and always the same, always conflict. And now we come with a story which brings a bit hope. Mm -hmm. the, the essence of our story is not security, I don't know what. We were recently in a conference with all countries from the Arab world in Prague, and everybody's talking about, you know, security, conflict, war, mm -hmm. water conflict, all this stuff. And when we talk about ours, it's just refreshing. Mm -hmm. And people are say, wow, they get, it's a relief somehow. Mm -hmm. And people say, wow, this is maybe where we should go with this environmental peace building idea. Mm -hmm. And as my colleague here, I'm totally convinced that this is something for the future. And as I think Mark Alice said, we, we need to, to listen to the young people. I'm really convinced that at some point we get old stuff. We should just retire and leave the, the young people who have new ideas and we are confronted with these problems at the moment, climate change, all this stuff. And we really need to, to listen to them. Excellent. Can you give us just a sense of your interaction with the different farmers? Maybe that opens them up to being more receptive. I will tell you a story. I was, uh, you know, I was on the Pacific Crest Trail walking and in Switzerland I walk as well. And I was in the middle of the mountains, I think it was in May, and lost, really, lost drinking something. You were on the Pacific Coast trail, trail in May? No, no, no. no. Oh. I, this was in Switzerland. Oh, and in okay. Switzerland, I'm walking, oh, okay. hiking as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was in the middle of the, the Swiss mountains, and suddenly I received a phone call. It was written Palestine on my phone. I said, who is calling me? And I said, okay, hello, Alex. <coughs> and there was a farmer on the phone from Palestine. He said, are you Alex? I said, yeah, I'm Alex. And I said, do you know, do I know you? He said, no, 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 no. Okay, please, please, yeah. can I help you? He said, no, 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 no. He said, what's the story? I said, I have a barrel in my garden. <laughs> I said, wow, fantastic. Yeah, I'm very happy. It's just beside the nest box. Somebody put a nest box one month ago and I just called you to tell you the barrel is in my garden. I said, wow, fantastic. I said, can I help you do something? No, 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 no. I said, okay, okay, bye-bye. I said, wow, my God. The people from Palestine are calling me to tell they have a barn owl in their garden. Thus, I think that the farmers, I think they love the barn owls, even in the Arab world, even if they think they are bad omen. If you take time, you show them the barn owl, you show them the prey they capture, they see this mice dead in the nest box. The barn owls, they reject pellets. That's fur and bones of a prey they cannot digest. If you open these pellets, you, you find the bones. You show the bones to the farmer. Look, these are the, 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 the prey remains. And they say, wow, my God, they are working. Yes, yeah, of course, they are working for you, yeah. not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and they get convinced. And, uh, and then for us, like academics, it's good to be in contact with these farmers. You know, this, we are really on the ground. We are really talking about serious things, not just... Uh, abstract concept. That's How did the farmer know to, to call you? How, is your phone number on the box? Yeah, that's or? because I realized that the guy who fixed the box, he talked about me. Oh, okay. But I was amazed that he wanted to, to tell 
this story to me and say, wow, my God. And I thought, wow, this is success. Yeah. If a farmer from Palestine calls you, it's more success than to meet the Pope. I think you are really doing something yeah. with the people. Excellent. Yeah, it was excellent. When you come to this conference here at UCI, the the first annual international conference on environmental peace building, are you, are you networking or is it just a matter of I guess, maybe just giving hope of what your story is? Yeah, this is to give my talk, to tell the people our story for sure. And what I like is to talk to people and to feel the atmosphere, to see where, where the field is. And I don't need, you know, one day to realize uh, because what could be my contribution in this field. You know, environmental peace building is quite new. This is the first international conference that, that's really new. I'm a professor of biology. I'm not a professor of environmental peace building. And that's the, the beauty of this field, environmental peace building. There are people from many different fields. Thus you learn a lot from these people. And I think one key thing now is to, to spread the word about the concept, mm -hmm. not the academic concept, but the, the, the concept of peace and environment. And uh, probably to, uh, my idea would be to write some kind of review for a top journal to spread the word in, in the world and to, to meet people here, to have a collaboration on this. This would be my, mm. that's what I will, I will keep from the main message for me from this conference, that's this. Say, wow, this is timely. We need to, to make sure that everybody, at least in the academic world and beyond, are aware mm -hmm. that this is an important concept and we have to like climate change. Excellent. Just in taking a step back, Alex, yeah. if people are interested in barn owls, is there any films at all or books that you can recommend? I will make some publicity. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote a book. Uh, it will be out in February. You can look on the internet website of Cambridge University Press. It will be out uh, in February. And this book, um, I wrote this book for nature lovers. And many paintings. I worked five years with the artists doing paintings. Thus, I wanted to have the knowledge written in a nice way, not too complicated. No stats, no reference, you know, inside the text. Something which is easy to, to read. And to have the artistic view. Our artists view the world, our academics view the world, and to bring all this together. And this is something uh, we should... It's not a mental peace building, but uh, we need to touch the heart of the people. It's very important. Mm -hmm. The knowledge is important, but the heart is even more important. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm working with artists to, to break this uh, coldness of uh, the scientific data mm -hmm. and to spread this knowledge to everybody in a nice way. Very good. What, what's the name of the book again? Banal. Barnard, Cambridge University Press. Okay. And, uh, and I'm talking a lot about the uh, American Barnard, by the way. I can tell I, I made some statistics. Which country produces the most, the largest number of papers on the Barnard? First is Germany. You know, the Germans are very, <laughs> very methodic, I would say. They are very good. And the second is the US. There's, there is a lot of knowledge coming from US. There was one 
ornithologist Marty Carl Marty who passed away near Salt Lake City did many studies there are some tendons from here and there that's it's important source of information from the US yeah and the banner is a bit a bit special I would say They're a bit different behavior compared to the rest of the world Mm. Which is interesting. In, in the United States? Yeah, they can breed, they can dig holes inside the ground to mm. make the nest. They, they can be quite social as well. It's big, by the mm. way. It's very big for a barn owl. Oh, yeah. in the United States, the, the barn owl is bigger big, than... Yeah, mm. from the rest of the world, yeah. Okay. And what I could say as well is that genetically, the barn owls which are in the US and the southern parts of Canada is the same compared to Argentina. That's the whole Americas, that's one unit. Uh, they did not re-diverge really uh, genetically. Maybe it's, I don't know why exactly, maybe, I don't think there are exchanges between birds from Argentina coming in the uh, US, probably not. But that's one unit. That's why we say the American barn owl. American for South, Central and North America. And how is it in Europe? For... Europe, it's a bit the same. That's Europe and Africa. They did not diverge so much. That this is Afro-European barn owl, if you want. And then you have another one is Austral Asia, Southeastern Asia and Australia, Oceania. It's one unit. Does the barn owl now, they are split in three species, but still they are all barn owls. They are so similar. Europe, Africa and Asia, Oceania. Alex, thank you very much for being with us today. We really appreciate the time you've taken out from the conference. And we wish you all the best with your studies on the Barn Owl and also with your peacemaking efforts. Thank, Thank you. you very much. It's a pleasure.